Amen. As we get ready to close the service out, I'll ask the musicians and singers, and we want to end with that song, Fresh Wind, as we get ready to close out. I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Kings 15. 1 Kings 15. I want to share with you, I'm sorry, I got it wrong, 14. Um, 1 Kings 14. And um, as I heard someone say not long ago, whether you have a Bible that turns or a Bible that glows, just go to the Scripture. No matter how you use it, it's still the Word of God. Amen? And so I want you to go to the book of 1 Kings. And I want to start my reading in verse 25. The whole passage will be from verse 21 through 31 if you want to go back for later reading. We're going to continue this series of hindrances of hell. We started it last week. We talked about how hell tries to delay what God is wanting to do. Today we're going to talk about one specific area, and that is the spiritual aspects of our life that hell wants to try to destroy. There are certain things that God has given us, and hell wants to hinder those things. Amen? So I want to take just a few moments in this time that I have, and I want to share with you this thought. It's found in verse 25. It says, And it came to pass, in the fifth year of the king Rehoboam, that Shishak, and the king of Egypt came up against Jerusalem. And he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He even took away all. He took away all the shields of gold which Solomon had made. And King Rehoboam made in their stead brazen or brazen shields and committed them unto the hands of the chief of the guard which kept the doors of the king's house. And it was so when the king went into the house of the Lord that the guard bare them and brought them back into the guard chamber. I want to end right there. I want to talk to you today. It'll be on the screen. I want to make sure that I, I get it completely right. He tries to take away the treasures. I say that because sometimes when I write a, a title down, I, it changes even as I get up here. And, um, but I want to make sure for today in this second part of this, this message series, I want to talk to you today about he tries to take away the treasures. I have never seen this story in all of my reading in the scriptures. And I've never really paid attention to it to this week. I want to share with you just this thought in these moments that I have. But before I do, I want to really implore and beg of you Today, as we get ready to go to the Lord in our altar time, I want to encourage you that this altar is, if, if we want to see this church just exponentially grow, and I do, it, 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 nothing speaks to a person's heart like full altars. Amen? Nothing speaks to the heart of a person like full altars. I love seeing it. So I just want to encourage you, if this speaks to you, or if you have anything that you want to lay it down at the feet of the Lord before you leave this place, please do so. I want to talk to you today about he tries to take away the treasures. He tries to take away the treasures. You know, nothing's worse at times than imitation. They say that imitation, though, is the best form of flattery. One thing I love to do is I love to be able to sit back and whether it's a comedian or whether it's an um, actor, 
Whoever it may be, I love to sit back and watch somebody imitate another person. In fact, when I was in middle school, I thought I could imitate an individual real well, come to find out I was terrible at it. Because then when you look and you see all of these individuals that are so talented, people that can mimic somebody so well, there's one that I'm thinking of, he's a comedian, Frank something, and man, he does a... He does impersonations of somebody, but there's one that he does, and I know he's gone on there a lot of scrutiny here lately, but when he was a coach, his name was John Gruden, and this guy would impersonate John Gruden just, just, it was almost as if he could pass for him. You know, I love seeing that, but today I don't want to talk about somebody that is impersonating someone. I want to talk about cheap imitations. Because... We see it in so many areas of our everyday life. We see it, first of all, even in jewelry. I, I, I couldn't tell you what a knockoff is. or If I was to go to a foreign land and I've been and I see a fossil watch or what Ray-Bans. In fact, I, was, I have to admit, I bought some knockoff Ray-Bans, I believe it was, when I was going over into Nicaragua because I can't tell the difference. But there's some people that legitimately they can tell. One thing that I, I came across in my, uh, my research, whether you have one or not, it doesn't matter. But you know that a, a cubic zirconium is not the same as an actual diamond. They say with its low cost, its durability, and its closeness to that diamond, that it can come across as a great imitation. But then when you go and you look at the art world, there's some forgeries and fakes that people try to pass off to sellers. In fact, one or two that I want to mention in this introduction is one was by the name of Han von McGurth. And I hope I said that name right. But the story goes that this individual sold $60 million worth of fakes of a painter by the name of Vermeers. He passed it off as the real deal. One story that really caught my attention was that of an art dealer by the name of Tatiana Khan. The story goes that this art dealer had a Picasso. The Picasso was stolen. So this art dealer found someone that could mimic and imitate this Picasso to a T. The, the price for mimicking it was only $1,000. But the art dealer, from what I read online, turned around and sold it for $2 million. That was a great profit, but it was simply an imitation. Could you imagine the, the buyer of the Picasso that they thought they were getting the real deal and then come to find out when they got it appraised, it was a cheap imitation. In fact, you have imitations in food. There was a top 10 that I came across and it said the top 10 imitated or imitation foods are this. Now don't shoot the messenger. I just want to tell you what I found. Number one, it was dairy food. Frozen dairy food. Another imitation was cheese. Imitation cheese. Imitation whipped cream. Imitation cream filling. I guess that's in your Oreos. I, I, it still tastes good to me. 
They said another one was imitation milk. Imitation crab meat. This one got me right here. Imitation filet mignon. Everybody knows what imitation vanilla's flavoring is. And then this one broke my heart. Imitation maple syrup. And Jemiah's or whatever it may be now, the, the, the survey says a lot of it is imitation. But whether it is a painting, whether it is a piece of jewelry, whether it is food, it is still imitation. The story goes like this. There was a recipe, and the recipe was calling for a ham to be baked. If you've heard me tell this story, please just ignore it. But you may have already forgotten me telling this. The, 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 not a ham, I'm sorry, it was, it was a casserole. They were, they were baking this and getting ready. And, and, and the, the person got a, a, a recipe and they followed the recipe to the tea. And then all of a sudden as they got ready to eat it, it tasted bad. It tasted pretty terrible, in fact. And the call went out to the person that gave the recipe. And they said, listen, I, I followed the, um, the instructions. I followed the recipe. And and it just did not taste as good as what it did when I ate yours. And the person that originated the recipe said, well, did you add this? They said, yeah. They said, but, but did you add the butter? Ah, we kind of substituted it for imitation, for something different. They said, well, did you add the sugar? They said, well, we were trying to eat healthy, so instead of sugar, we went with Splenda. And, and the individual said, listen, you, you did not follow the recipe. The recipe called for authentic things. Uh, the recipe called for genuine things. And you substituted it for imitation. So really you hindered how good the meal and the, the, the thing that you had cooked, you hindered how good it was. Church, let me tell you, this is what we find in this story. They had had articles that were in the house of God. They had had articles that were in the house of the king. And then what happened was they were stolen by the enemy. And when you open up this passage here in 1 Kings chapter 14, you see a king that says, well, they stole the genuine articles. We'll just go and make some cheap imitation articles and just pass them off as the genuine. Let me tell you, when you see this story, it speaks to a few things today. It speaks to the fall of the dignity of the nation because the nation was at one time five years ago known by the gold that it carried as a nation, that is Israel. The Bible said when they built everything they labeled or they layered it with gold. It was extravagant. Solomon would show his place off. In fact, I think it was the Queen of Sheba that said the half has not been told about how glorious and beautiful this kingdom is but now they had gone to cheap 
imitations. Number two, it also shows the ignorance of the nation that they thought that they just just get by with just cheap knockoffs and cheap imitations. It's also speaking as far as in a spiritual way to us today about the lack of the anointing and the spiritual awareness of what they were doing. See, the enemy had stolen their genuine articles and they thought that they could get by with just cheap knockoff fakes. But today we want to talk just for a moment about the treasures that God has given the church and the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. But let me tell you today, don't you let the enemy come in and steal your treasures that God has blessed you with because you can't make it through the storms with cheap imitation. You can't make it through the battles of life with cheap imitation. You cannot make it through the things that the devil throws your way by the cheap knockoffs of this world. But you've got to have the authentic, the real, the powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. Say amen, somebody. I just can't help it sometimes. The story is a basis for us today. Solomon, David, or David starts out and Solomon takes over. And then after Solomon, after the end of his rulership, which if you read, you see that it does not end great. He hands this, this, this nation over to Rehoboam and the nation splits. Now Rehoboam is over Judah. The Bible says that he did evil. He, he, he was a wicked king. He didn't follow the ways of God. And because of that, God allowed things to happen. You can't proclaim a hedge of protection you live a life of evil. In fact, you can't sing songs of praying for blessings when you live a life of evil. And in this moment and in this rulership, we see the articles, the genuine articles were stolen from the nation. In fact, they were taken out not just of the house of God, but of His house as well. This nation could, could, could quite possibly, you could say it like this. They went from real to fake. They went from authentic to just simply imitation. And when you go back and you look at the beginning of David's reign to the reign of Rehoboam, you look at it and you say, what a mighty fall. In fact, there's a passage in the Old Testament not talking about this part. And it said, oh, how the mighty have fallen, but you could simply apply it to the nation of Judah in this moment. They had fallen such a great way. And the Bible gives us an enemy that is shown here to the nation of Israel or Judah. That nation is Egypt. Egypt had been an enemy for so many years, but at this time the Bible said the king Shishak came in and he began to steal articles. And as I began to read this church today, I was reminded of what the enemy does to the people of God.
As we started out this series of hindrances of hell, not only is he trying to delay where God is taking us, but the enemy is trying to hinder the life of the people of God and take away the treasures that God has given us to have productive spiritual lives. See, it is not God's fault that we are struggling spiritually. It is not God's fault that I struggle spiritually. But for the child of God, God has given each of us spiritual treasures that if we would treasure them and hold on to them that I believe that God would allow us to see Him move in the life of the people and in the church that He's called us to if we would treasure what God has given us. In the physical realm, God has given me three beautiful children and I treasure them. God has given me a a beautiful wife and I treasure her. God has given me great friends and I treasure them. God's given me a great father and a mother and I treasure them. In fact, when I say that, I hold on to them. There are things that are not worth holding on to that I must let go. But there are things for the vitality and the, 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 the fruit of my labor and the abundance of my life. I've got to hold on to and I cannot let go. I remember one time in Cleveland, Tennessee, I was doing a fake rock climbing wall. Anybody ever done that before? Well, word to the word, I guess, from the wiser, don't do it if you're afraid of heights. Because you learn real quick what's a treasure. And do you know what is a treasure for the person that's afraid of heights on a rock climbing wall? When I, I couldn't even get from the kid level to the adult level, there were, there were girls in my class that were over there looking all over Bradley County and I could not get off of the kid rock climbing wall because I was about 50 feet off the ground and I was scared to death. But in that moment, you know what I thought was a treasure? It was that rope that they had me harnessed to. It was that thing on the side of the wall that was for my fingers to reach into and be helped with. And Sister Mary Alice, I didn't let it go because I knew it was going to get me down to solid ground. Let me tell you, there are some things in the people of God that God has given us that church we cannot let go of. This story sounds so familiar to the attack of the enemy. This story sounds so familiar to the attacks of Satan to the people of God. He wants to steal the treasures from the life of the people of God. He wants you to be joyless. He wants you to live with no faith. He wants you to walk around afraid of your own shadow because he knows if he can take the treasures out of your life, you will never be able to develop into the child of God that God wants you to be. But the fact of the matter is, He is not coming to kill, steal, and destroy you and to take your treasures away from you so that He can use them. If you give Him your treasures, He's not going to use them, but He's going to disregard them because He doesn't appreciate them. He just doesn't want you to have them in your life. There's a couple treasures I want to talk about just for a few moments in this amount of time that I have. The first one is the treasure of prayer. 
There used to be a lady that sang a song in the old in the church that I was pastoring in that 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 that, that congregation. She would get up. Her name was Ginger. And she would sing a song and it was called Sweet Hour of Prayer. Anybody ever heard that song? And she would sing about that sweet hour of prayer. Another song that we've sung here and they would sing there and it says, I go to the garden alone. <laughs> when the dew, I believe it says, is still on the garden or the roses. And, and he begins to go into the course and it says, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Let me tell you a treasure that God has given the child of God is the prayer life that we have. It is not a time for us to just unload on God, but it is a time for us to communicate with God. Every child of God, every person from Adam and Eve to John the Revelator, they had a time of prayer. In fact, it said in the book of Revelation, when John was in the spirit on the Lord's day you cannot make it in this life if you're not a praying person I'm not saying you've got to pray for two hours I'm just saying that when you've got time you need to begin to pray to the Lord and you need to be like Samuel the young prophet and say speak now for your servant is listening and the enemy does not want the children of God to pray in fact, one of the most hindering, one of the most uh, treasures, one of the one of the most hindered treasures that we have is that time of prayer. I don't know what it is, but when you know you should pray, there's a voice. Ah, but you can wait till later. There's a voice that said, ah, you can wait till later, but I'm telling you today, it is a treasure for the child of God to be able to kneel down or sit down or walk around however you choose. It is a treasure you need to pray. And there's nothing that can replace you praying with the Lord. You can't push it off to your pastor. You can't push it off to your parents. You can't push it off to your friends. You need to pray. And Jesus said when you pray pray in this manner our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Jesus gave us a recipe for prayer you and I must be people of prayer and you can't substitute it for anything else. Your favorite Christian artist can be the substitute. Your favorite book can be the substitute. Nothing can substitute moments of prayer with God Almighty. He speaks to you. You speak to Him. And your life is changed. Another treasure I thought about was worship. Now, worship and prayer go hand in hand. In fact, Jesus says in the very beginning of teaching to pray, He says, this is how you pray, our Father who art in heaven. Say the rest of it. Hallowed. In fact, the King James ends it with thine is the what? Kingdom. So it's almost like praise and worship is the bookend to prayer. It almost is like it holds it all together. And let me tell you, you are the only one 
that can worship God for yourself. He did not create the guitar player to worship for you, the piano player to worship for you, the singers or the preacher or the church, but He created you. He created you distinctively to be a oracle of worship that would lift up praise to a God who is able. As Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes up to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. I quoted it at the beginning of the service. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad and nobody can praise God for you. We must praise God for ourselves. In fact, Jesus walking into the triumphant entry in the book of Luke, I believe it's around chapter 21. They said, Sir, Ambassador, are you going to tell the people to be quiet? Jesus said, if they don't worship, the rocks are going to cry out. See, your worship is not dependent upon a song. God help me. Your worship is not dependent upon the emotion. Your worship is not dependent upon a goosebump. But your worship is just simply dependent upon you recognizing that there is a God in heaven that deserves your praise. That even when Job is one of the greatest examples. Job had no reason to worship. It seemed like Job was using pottery to scrape away his sores. He was using dogs to lick his sores. But Job, he writes, or the writer writes in the book of Job and says, He gives and he takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. The greatest moment I believe in my life is when I heard my father-in-law say, Let's don't pray, let's praise. I don't seemingly have a reason to worship because I'm on death's doors, but he's been too good for me, and I'm going to worship no matter what. And the devil is not going to steal the treasure of worship from my life. Say amen, somebody. Would you just lift up your hands and worship? Would you lift up your hands and say, God, you have been good. Some of you may say, well, I don't have a reason to praise. Be like Job. Say, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Lift up your hands and say, Jesus, you are worthy. Oh, God, the treasure of worship, the treasure of the word. See, spiritually for us to grow, the enemy wants to hinder our knowledge and our understanding of the Word. In fact, Jesus, in His wilderness experience, has three temptations. And they all were based on manipulations of the Word. Satan knows the Word. Satan, he, I don't know, I would imagine he understands the Word. But he wants to manipulate the Word. But see, the Word is one of the only things, it is the only thing that I can read, that is an offensive weapon in the armor of God. You can deflect the arrows with the shield of faith. You can be protected with the truth around your belt and around your waist. You can walk in peace because of who you are. You can know that you're saved with the helmet of salvation, but the only weapon that you have is the Word 
of God. In fact, Hebrews 4 and 12 says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. You've heard me say it. I know you've seen knives that would cut through anyway, anything. I remember the knife that they had on the infomercials. That thing, I can't even remember what it was, but they said it would cut through anything. Steel, metal, it didn't matter what it was. It would cut through it. But let me tell you, there is a weapon that is greater than any weapon this world. I know we're worried about nuclear bombs. My God, I feel, I, I know we're worried about tanks and we're worried about planes and we're worried about bombs being set off in the airport but there is one weapon that is greater than any weapon that we have ever been given and it is the word of God everybody knows I grew up loving comic book superheroes and they used to say about Superman he could leap taller than any building he could be faster than any local uh, locomotive he was faster than a speeding bullet but let me tell you there is something that's greater than any superhero that's greater than any weapon and it is the B-I-B-L-E and that is the book for me you may need him in China and the word will show up in a moment you may need him in Russia and the Lord with the word will show up in a moment you may need him in Ukraine you may need him when you're out on patrol but let me tell you if you have hidden the word of God in your heart that is the greatest supernatural weapon that you need as the child of God that when it seems like you're going through the worst of times you know because the word says so that if God be for you then who can be against you but sometimes we think it is only good when it's going good. But the Word is good when it's good, and the Word is still good when it's going bad. See, the Word says to me that when I'm going through the valley, He is there. The Word says I can make my place in heaven, and He's there. I can make my bed in hell, and He is there. Let me tell you, I didn't get that from chicken soup for the soul. I didn't get that from TBN. I didn't get that from any other television show I didn't get that from some self help guru but I get that from Genesis, Deuteronomy Exodus I got that from books like Ecclesiastes some say sometimes Lamentations is a little bit of a downer but let me tell you you can still open up the book of Lamentations you can open up the book of Psalms you can even go to the book of Matthew and read all of the begats and you can still get something out of the word of God it is sharper than any two edged sword it will cut deeper than any surgeon's scalpel and it will begin to do things that no one else can do the treasure of the word of God say amen somebody <laughs> time's getting away the treasure of holiness holiness Without holiness, no man shall see God. The treasure of being holy. Now I'm going to get into that later because that's going to be either next week or the end as we talk about the physical hindrances. But I will say this. There is something about being different as a child of God. The pastor, I was born that way, no? You may have been born that way in your eyes, but God can make you a new creature. Holiness. The treasure of faith. 
and faithfulness. The treasure of being faithful to the house of God. No matter what situation you're facing, no matter what circumstance you're facing, you're just simply faithful. The treasure of giving. Let me tell you, if you're not a tither, you're missing out. It's a treasure. It's a spiritual treasure. It's a blessing over your home. Some would say, well, it's not in the New Testament. I beg to differ. Matthew 23 and 23, I believe it is. Jesus said you should tithe, you should do all of that and this. If you're, if you're a giver, it's a treasure. What about the treasure of love? The treasure of love and not hate. The treasure of forgiveness. So many spiritual treasures that the child of God has that should help mature us into who we've been called to be. But there is an enemy. Say amen. There is an enemy in hell that wants to hinder our spiritual production. Say amen. Y'all are late. Because let me tell you, it is not because God is diminished. It is not because God has lost his throne. It's not because God's kingdom has been split. In fact, Jesus, I believe, says he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That whenever it was a moment of any kind of uh, um, um, insurrection or any type of mutiny, God just simply said, be gone. There is no limit and there has been no decrease to the power and the might of the God that we serve. But there is an enemy in hell that wants to hinder the spiritual treasures that God has given His people. Because I believe the enemy knows that if he can't stop a praying church, there's nothing that they cannot see. I believe the enemy knows that if he cannot stop a church that's built and founded on the Word, then no matter how hard the winds blow, the walls and the building will not fall down. I believe the enemy knows that if, if I could just cause them to just gray the lines just a little bit and live a little bit more like the world, he knows that maybe he could get his, cra his grasp and his fingers into the door of the church, but he knows that if the church is a holy church, a set apart church a righteous church a faithful church he knows that there is nothing that his kingdom can do to destroy it and he also knows hear this preacher out in these last few moments he knows that revival is inevitable you may ask me today preacher how is revival coming let me tell you if there is a church that treasures prayer if there's a church that treasures worship is there, if there's a church that treasures the word and says no matter what comes our way we will not let go and we will not settle for cheap imitation. The enemy knows that revival is inevitable because that church will worship. That church will have faith. That church will begin to hear from God because Jesus even said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Let me tell you church, if you want to see God's hand in your life, don't let the enemy hinder your prayer life don't let the enemy hinder your worship don't let the enemy hinder the knowledge of the word inside of you but you rear your shoulders back and say if God be for me who can be against me you shall not hinder my development and you will not steal my treasures 
Wow, say it. You know what the hardest thing to do is to preach something like this in the short amount of time that I've got it. Because I know that attention spans, they vary. I know attention spans, they begin to think about lunch and they begin to think about tomorrow and they begin to think about all of the things that we've got going on. But I believe that God has set us up strategically to warn the church in the next couple weeks that we must not let hell hinder what God is wanting to help. And I believe help is on the way church my god i wish somebody would get that deep down inside of this this preacher is about to go crazy because i believe help is on the way and i believe hell is trying to intersect and trying to deflect what god is wanting to bring but i declare today we won't let hell hinder what god is trying to help revival shall come breakthrough shall come change shall come and we shall see the king of of kings and the Lord of lords move in the Greenwood Church of God. Hallelujah! Would you just lift your hands just for a moment? If I keep going I may bust a blood vessel. Hallelujah! Hey! I've preached my iPad down to 4%. Some may be sitting here today singers if you would would you come and get ready as we get ready to pray I want to end with this fresh wind and I ask that you sing it full throttle because we want to see God's presence nothing hindering what God is wanting to help some may be here and you say well pastor the enemy has already stolen my praise. The enemy has already stolen what seems to be my desire and my treasures. But let me tell you to let me tell you today. You do not have to settle for what the enemy. He may have won the battle, but he cannot win the war. Somebody needs to hear this today. He may have won the battle, but he cannot win the war. <laughs> I said the battle on the cross may have seemed like it didn't go in our favor. And it may have seemed like hell defeated the he heaven's uh, mission. But what we find out that in that moment, the battle may have seemed to be lost, but the war was never over. Let me tell you, it may seem like your treasures are gone. And it may seem like you haven't been able to pray in a long time. And it may seem like you may have not been able to read the Word in a long time. And it may seem like you may have, have not been able to worship in a long time. But let me tell you, the enemy may have thought he had stolen your treasures. But the preacher is telling you today, do not trade it for cheap imitation. Don't you trade it for something that's cheap and hand me down. But you tell the enemy today, what you have stolen from me, I'm taking it back. And I am saying today, I will worship like never before. I will sing like never before. I will read like never before. I will pray like never before. And we will see God move like never before before in the house of God stand to your feet if you would